Well, hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to Church Online. We're so honored you're tuning in with us today. If you're our guest, special thank you for being a part of today's Church Online experience. Thank you for being here with us. No matter how it is that you're tuning in online or a podcast or YouTube, just thank you for being here. We're honored you're here with us. Uh, last week was an incredible weekend. Kicked off our brand new facility here at the Alabaster campus. Man, what an honor it was to be with both of our campuses together. We baptized a lot of people. Uh, eight people gave their heart to Jesus. It was an incredible um, day for the in the life of our church and looking forward we're looking forward to moving into the season God's prepared already for cultivate church across Shelby County and we're just so glad that you're a part of it today is a standalone day we'll kick off a brand new series next week and today I want to talk to you about looking for change if you've been around at all over the last 24 months I think that's probably uh, true for all of us we're ready for change if you're like me, there's been moments where you've just looked back and said to yourself, man, I wish things would just go back to what they were before, go back to normal. Uh, maybe you're, you're hoping that at some point there's just a, if it's a new normal, it's a better normal than what we've all been walking through relationally, emotionally, many of us financially, psychologically, spiritually. We just, we're looking for change. We're looking for something different. Now, there's a passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter 43, and it's been a very special passage of scripture to me over the last 20 years of following Jesus in my own personal life. And it says this, it says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. And this is what God says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert, streams in the wasteland. God's promising Israel that something new is coming. And in Isaiah chapter 43, verse 19, you begin to see what that looks like. You go, man, away in the desert, streams in the wasteland. If, you, if you're Israel in the time that this prophecy is happening, that's exactly what's going on. You see, Israel has already been prophesied that Israel is going to be in captivity for 70 years. And this way in the wasteland is God rescuing Israel from 70 years of captivity. Think about that for a moment. Entire generations had grown up in captivity in Babylon and under the Persia Empire. Babylon had even been captive, uh, captivated. They'd been uh, uh, taken over and by the king of Persia. And the Babylon is who actually destroyed Israel in the beginning in 605 B.C. And then they even get taken over. And now the king of Persia really, literally rules the world. And it would seem impossible that Israel would ever be able to go back to what they were historically. At some point in time, Israel was a national powerhouse. They were the wealthiest nation in the world. People came from all over the world to, to, uh, to glean wisdom from Israel and their kings. And they were a blessing to the nations. And then here they are, completely uh, not even a nation anymore, taken, uh, taken captive, entire generations, not even knowing what it's like to be a freed people. And all they can do is remember what it used to be. And the truth is, there's people in Israel now that don't even remember what it used to be. The people that even remember a free nation, 70 years later, 
they're almost gone. There may be a few people left that even remembered what that looked like. So you see a nation of people that sees no way out. And God says, I'm going to make a way where there is no way. Isn't that crazy? Like there's no way they even think there's a way out. And God says, but there is a way out. Forget the former things. Forget all of that stuff. You see, you see in, in, in Isaiah chapter 43 leading up to verse 18, you see Israel being reminded of all of the things that God had done before. We'll call it the good old days where God had rescued Israel from Egypt, 400 years of captivity that they had been in up to that time. And he rescued them miraculously, performing all kinds of miracles, displaying his power to the world. And Israel's being reminded of what he did before, how he led them into the desert up against the Red Sea, parting the Red Sea miraculously and then walking across on dry land. And how God, even in that moment, conquered the Egyptian nation under the Red Sea and Israel walking into their destiny that God had prepared for them. And, and for these people, in, those, in this moment, it's just a history lesson. It's just a story of what did happen and how they wish it could potentially happen again. And God is reminding them, forget the former things. If you think that was incredible, wait until you see what I'm about to do now. And I, I know that that's so true in the, lives of, in, in the lives of so many people in the here and now. But there's something about prolonged captivity. There's just something about being stuck in a pattern of negativity or stuck in a pattern of bad circumstances, stuck in a pattern of will this ever change, can this ever change, what's, what's going to happen next, not really seeing a way out, no light at the end of the tunnel. It causes us to do some things. The captive become conditioned to the confines of their constraint. It's really easy just to go, well, I don't think this is ever going to change, so I'm just going to have to learn to live like it is. I want to share with you a couple of things that begins to happen in all of our hearts and our minds when, that begin, when we find ourselves settled into a season like many of us are settled in. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive into God's Word. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful for your Word today, that it is alive and breathing. It is for your people. It's for your church. Now, we are the church. We exist for the world, and your Word is tailor-made for us. And today I pray that it wouldn't just be something of going through the motions, but Lord, your word would speak to us. It would inspire us to live our lives on purpose in a way that honors you, that it would make a difference in our lives, that we would walk away from your word today inspired to, do, to, to live differently, God, to make a difference in our sphere of influence. You'll get all the praise and all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Number one, if you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Con like, it, it causes us to desire the past. Prolonged captivity causes us to desire the past. And Israel was doing it. Maybe you've done it in your own life. They did it over and over again. Let's look back in Numbers chapter 11. It says, The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing. They had been rescued from Egypt. They are on the way to really what God had called their promised land. And they can't seem to get over the here and now. They said, if we had only had meat to eat, we remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we've lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. 
Think about that for a moment. The Bible tells us that this manna uh, that they are so sick of and disgusted of, it was literally a miracle from heaven. They were out in the desert with nothing to eat and began to pray and ask God to supply their need. And out of nowhere, they wake up one morning and what they called manna had fallen from the sky and it sustained them in a season of lack where there was nothing. And, and it went on and went on and God continued to meet their needs and sustain them through this manna and it became something that they were disgusted with. What was once a blessing from God later became something they detested. It was still a blessing from God. It still sustained them, but it was prolonged and it became something that they were angry and upset about. And all they could do was think about the food that they received in Egypt. Forget about the fact that they were slaves in that season. For 400 years, they were begging God to rescue them from that moment in their life. They were slaves. But they had grown disgusted in God's provision. In Exodus chapter 14, you said, Moses, they said to Moses, Was it because there was no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt to leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Come on, humanity, it's just a human nature to desire the comforts of what is. As many of us are in the season that we're in right now, hoping and wishing that things would change, and we're looking for change and looking for a way out, did you know this, that it probably, as God begins to move and we begin to transition from this season into the next, because God has promised in His Word that He works all things for the good of those that love Him and are called according to His purpose. So that Isaiah 43, 18 text, where He says, forget the former things, I'm going to do a new thing, it's for us too, but humanity, just you and me, it's our nature to desire the things that we've grown accustomed to even if it's captivity even in a pandemic season the things that we grow comfortable with may not be God things but the things we're familiar with and it causes us to desire those things over the unknown of moving forward and that I think it's just human nature I remember being a kid with no responsibilities Spending my summer days playing ball and exploring the neighborhood until my mom would call us home at dark. Maybe you've got your own memories of what used to be. And when I think back over those seasons, it's time, it, 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 often it's time, there's often times that I forget about the difficult seasons that we were walking through in those same moments. Absolutely, in every difficult season, there's probably moments that we can look to that were okay that allowed us to live in the, in the hard seasons of life. But it's those things that we always remember. Egypt forgot about the, the slavery that they were in. They only remembered the good food that they were being fed. Maybe that's you. Maybe you remember the good things, but you forget about the things that you've been begging God to rescue you from. We just tend to desire the past. Yeah, Israel, you got three square meals a day in Egypt, but you were slaves. You were slaves. Many of us desire what used to be, not realizing that God has something greater. Prolonged seasons like we've all been in in our life, they tend to make us desire the past. And number two, Israel did this, it makes us fear the future. 
Because transition can also oftentimes be difficult because moving from one season to the next can be difficult. It can be um, unnerving. It, it causes us to fear the future. That's why God had to remind Israel over and over and over again not to fear. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, he says it so many times. Let me read it. He says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, he said to Joshua, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all of these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Your destiny is what he's saying. I will give you every place where your foot stands. As I promised Moses, your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon from the great river to the great river of the Euphrates, all of the Hittite country, the Mediterranean Sea, and the west. It's all going to be yours. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And listen to what? He said all of that, but then he said, be strong and courageous because I'll lead you. I will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all of the things I've given your, I've, I've, I've told my servant Moses. Don't turn from the left or the right that you may be successful in what you do. Keep the book of the law always on your lips and meditate on it day and night and be careful to do what's written in it. Then you will prosper and be successful. Have I not commanded you? What does he say? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Over and over and over again, he's reminding Israel, I'm never going to leave you. I'm always going to be there. No matter what, wherever you go, if you will step forward, you will find that I have always prepared a way. I've already been there. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. Why do you think he had to say that over and over and over again? It's because they feared the future. It's because even in the midst of this moment where God is literally handing them their destiny, all they could think about were the comforts, the small amount of comforts in their past and fear of what could potentially be in the future. They were scared of stepping into their destiny. And I know that many of us in this life that we're in, all we can do is find the comforts that remain in the here and now or in our past. We, we're missing the plan and the purpose of God because of our desire of the past and our fear of the future. Listen, the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. One translation says of self-discipline. It's going to require us to take the step to do the work of ask, actually moving forward. God's not going to force it on us. He's not going to force us into a new season. He's not going to force you out of the bad relationship that you're in. He's not going to force you out of depression or anxiety. All he's going to do is provide a way for you to, in self-discipline, take the steps necessary to move forward. Don't be afraid. Come on, take the step. Get into a small group. Take the step. Get into, find a good counselor. Take the step. Get some accountability in your life. Don't, don't, don't just sit back. Don't just settle into the comfort of the past. Settle into the comfort of what was or what, what, what used to be. Take the step forward. Don't fear the future. God's already provided a way out. We have to take the step into what he's called us to do. Be courageous. 
Don't be afraid. Move forward into the destiny God's got planned for your life. We tend to fear the future, and many of us, in doing that, in desiring the past and fearing the future, we all miss the present, number three. We miss the present. We miss what God's doing now because of our fear of the future and our desire of the past. Exodus 14, Moses said to the people, Hey, is this familiar? Listen, don't be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. Many of us are missing what God is doing in our lives right now today because we are so consumed with what used to be and so afraid of what is going to be. And we're missing the hand of God in the here and now, in our marriages, in our careers, in our local churches, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, at school. You're missing God moving right now. We tend to get so caught up in the day-to-day and our fear of the future that we miss it. And I'm saying, don't miss the now. In a matter of days, in my family, uh, we could have focused on all kinds of things. In just a matter of this past week, our fridge broke, our air conditioner broke, and our home, we have a rental home across town. The air conditioner has broken on that, on our rental property. Listen, things don't go right all of the time, and, and it's an old cliche statement, when it rains, it pours, doesn't it? And it's really easy to focus on all of the bad going around. And it's really easy to focus on, man, I wish it would go back to here. Or I wish I'm scared of what it might could be that we miss what God is doing now. Come on, in just a a matter of days, we launched a brand new facility here in Alabaster. Lots of people. The stories of life change has been incredible. been overwhelmed with the goodness of God in my life. And I could easily focus on all the bad things happening. I've been in conversations with many people in our church who are going through the same things personally that we've gone through. Things are breaking left and right. Stuff is happening all over the place. But can I tell you, I'm resolved that I'm not going to allow me, and I'm not going to allow it for me to miss the now, the here and now of what God is doing. We're going to celebrate Him. And He is, I know this, and I'm an overcomer through Jesus Christ. So I'm not worried about what the enemy might bring my way. I'm not worried about the things that happen on the day today it's not going to distract me from the now I'm going to stop uh, desiring the past I'm going to stop fearing the future and I'm not going to miss what God is doing in my life now many of you are so caught up in all of that stuff that you're missing the moment and I want to encourage you to take moment take a moment right where you are don't miss what God is doing now. Maybe you would pray, God, open my eyes to what you're doing now in my marriage, to what you're doing now in my life. Don't let me miss it. Don't let me miss it. Now, I want to share with you three things that I think will be helpful for you as we're walking out this faith journey, not to miss the, the favor of God on our lives right now. Number one, if you're writing this down, you need to accept his salvation. That's step number one. I've got to accept the work that God did On the cross for me. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. He reminds us, come on now, let's settle this already. I know you're worried about all the decisions you've made and the life that you lived and the things that have, the water under the bridge that maybe have separated you from God at some point in your life. He says, though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. Listen, you need to understand this. Salvation is not something that you earn. 
Salvation is not something that you have to earn in your life. When Jesus went to the cross, he did so for all people for all time. He did it for you and he did it for me. For God so loved the world that Jesus came and he died and he came back to life. That's the hope of the gospel for you and for me. You need to accept his salvation. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. That's a hope of the gospel. That's a promise of God's word in Romans chapter 8. You need to know that you need to accept his salvation. Number two is you need to accept his leadership. See, this one's hard. This one's difficult. John 3.30 says that he must increase and I must decrease. First Peter 2 9 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Come on, as we're followers of Jesus, he says it in verse 10, he goes on, he says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. If we call ourselves followers of Jesus, then he will not just be our savior, he'll be our Lord. We will allow him the, the highest leadership position in our life. It's easy to accept him as Savior. Come on, nobody wants to go to hell, right? It's a lot more difficult. Few people follow him as Lord of their life. The Bible reminds us over and over and over again. John the Baptist said it in, 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 in early in the Gospel of Matthew, prove by the way that you live that you've repented and turned from your sins. What does that mean? It means I've accepted his leadership. Not only do I claim him as Savior, I follow the truth of his word with my life. And then the last thing I'll share with you is you need to accept his plan. You need to accept his plan. For I know the plans I have for you, Jeremiah 29, 11, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. To give you a hope and a future. God's plan for humanity will never contradict his word. Can I tell you something? If you're living your life, making decisions right now on the day-to-day -day that are outside of the scope of Scripture, you are not living God's plan for your life. That's relationally. That's financially. That's in our marriage, my career, my character, my integrity. Everything hinges on the truth of God's word. If I'm going to accept him as my Lord, I'm going to allow his plan for my life to play out. How do I treat my kids, my spouse, my neighbor? What about the decisions that I make? Are they based on my emotions or the truth of God's word? Y'all, church isn't a game that just to make us feel better about ourselves from week to week. Eternity is real. Heaven is a real place. Hell is a real place. He has a plan for your life. And it is far greater than anything you could dream or imagine on your own. Here's a question. Do I even have a clue why I'm here? I am a physical representation of the local church every day where I go. We are the church. We exist for the world. I want to encourage you, right now, where you are tuning in, you can log on to cultivatechurch.tv and you can click on Roots right there on the website. And you can take a personality profile and learn about the church and learn about what God's doing here at Cultivate. And you can learn about yourself, how God's wired you, and how you can begin to live out a life on purpose. God's plan for your life. Two greatest days in your life are the day you're born and the day you learn why you were born. 
And I believe this. I believe if we're looking for change, the best place to start is God's purpose and plan for my life. Maybe you're tuning in today, and and that begins with that relationship with Jesus, accepting his salvation. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right where you are. Discovering God's purpose and plan for your life begins right there. Asking Jesus to take control of your life, forgiving you of your sins, becoming your Savior, and stepping into the position of Lord of your life. So you would repeat after me. You would simply say, Father, forgive me of my sins. I've confessed that I've lived it on my own. I've made decisions in my own strength for far too long. And today's the day I give it over to you. Take control of my life. I accept you as my Savior. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you as my Lord. I'm going to begin living out your purpose, your plan for my life. And it's going to make all the difference in my life and the sphere of influence that you've given me to make a difference in. Thank you for doing what only you can do in my life and providing lasting change that will make all the difference. I love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.